Matthew chapter number 22, that's enough bragging on y'all. I thought I'd get an amen or two. I was bragging on you. I thought somebody would say, well, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Matthew chapter 22. I swore today I, I made one plate of food. You know, last week, y'all don't know. I'll tell you something y'all don't know. I went, you know, we all went to Turkey Cove last Sunday night. Can you believe that's been a week? That don't seem real. That was a week ago. But anyway, we went down there last Sunday night. I was so stuffed from Beverly's that I went out in the parking lot and nearly jogged laps around the parking lot while the choir was singing, trying to get my food to digest so I could preach without belching, belching, belching. And so I said, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) And today I eat one little bitty plate of food. Usually I'd go back for a second. I said, I'm not going back for seconds. Forget that. I am not belching my way through another service. But she made peanut butter pie. It's like my mother-in-law doesn't want me to preach on Sunday night. She ain't even here. I don't know. I mean, she's keeping Kathleen. I don't know why she'd care, but she just nearly killed me with some peanut butter pie. I had butterfinger, butterfinger crushed under the peanut butter pie. And I'm sitting up here, standing up here tonight, and I've not even got cranked up yet, and I'm already wiping the sweat off my forehead because my body is doing its very best to digest four pieces of peanut butter pie that were about that big. And I kept saying, just one more taste, just one more taste. So I don't know if a man can preach when his sugar's 415 or not, but we're going to give it a try. Verse 1, Matthew 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which made a marriage feast for his son, and sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I prepared my dinner, My oxen oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, uh, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servant and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, Take the the wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways and hedges, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways and hedges and gathered together as many as they found both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, 
bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, and pray today that you'd touch our hearts and minds tonight. I pray that you'd help us to preach the gospel. Lord, feel like there might be somebody lost here tonight. I pray that you'd convict their heart. I pray that you'd call them to an altar of repentance and save them. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for all that's done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to look tonight for a little while at this parable. And of course we know that a parable is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the Lord taught in parables. He used uh, these stories, these earthly stories, to teach a heavenly meaning. And really what the Lord does here, Brother Billy, is in 14 verses, He paints the picture of the entire church age. Uh, He does that in 14 verses of a parable and tells the story of the entire church age. Now I want to point out to you uh, what is said there in verse number 10. The Bible said, So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found. I want to preach a little while tonight, if God will help us, on the subject of thank God he found me. I'm glad, how many of you are glad this evening that you were one of the ones he found? I tell you, we see of course in Luke 15 the parables of lost things. I'm glad that the uh, shepherd found the sheep that was lost. I'm glad that the woman found the silver that was lost. And the father found the son that was lost. And you'll know that, of course, Luke 15 being the chapter of lost things, none of those things stayed lost because they were sought after. And I'm glad, thank God, one day he came looking for me. And I'm glad he found me. And in order to find something, it means that I began to think about Matthew 13. How that there's a treasure found in a field. Also in Matthew 13, there's a pearl of great price found at the market. In Matthew 20, there's servants that are found. So the Bible talks again and again and again about the ministry of one that was lost, but now is found. Last night, I didn't even know it was going on. I was there at the house watching... Alabama killed whoever it was they were killing this weekend. I can't remember who it was, but they had them down by 30 points at halftime or something crazy. And so I was just kind of halfway watching that and snoozing a little bit. And my phone uh, vibrated and it was uh, a friend of mine from down in Marion and he was asking me if I was out looking for that kid that was lost last night. I say kid, he was in his 20s. And he'd went fishing yesterday morning up from Black Mountain Campground and uh, had not come home. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not looking. And he said, well, he's my son's best friend. Would you see if you can find something out about him? So I got on the CAD and got to looking and figuring out who was up there and 
started sending some messages to folks that I knew were there and trying to find out exactly what was going on. And uh, he was lost, but there was a crew looking for him. And they had drones up in the sky, and they had dogs on the trail. They had searchers in the woods, and more coming looking for that boy that was lost. They found him too. I got to thinking about after it was over, wouldn't it be good if the church did their job, we'd be just like that bunch out in the woods of searching. There's lost people all around this church house, and we'd be out trying to find them. I'm glad one day that somebody made an effort to find me. That young man went to Tom Walker's church and this morning Tom put on his Facebook page, he said, DJ was lost, but now he's found. (laughs) I said, hallelujah. I'm glad one day he found me. So I just want to look down through this uh, down through these verses. And let's see what we can learn as the Lord teaches us down through. Let's see what we can learn. First, we see in these verses that the king, uh, his, he first had an exclusive invitation to the Hebrew race. So there was an invitation given to the Jew. Look what the Bible said. Verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And so here, the Lord's talking, the king is God the Father. And the son, he's speaking of himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that he sent forth to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. That's speaking of the Jewish nation, the Jewish race. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Again, he sent forth other servants, verse 4, saying, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready to come to the marriage. Now, what we'll see in the preaching tonight is that this king has made a wedding feast for his son. And there's three invitations that are given. Two of those invitations are to the Jewish race. The first is, he said, bid them to come. That, that there in verse number three, those that are bidden to the wedding that they should come, that, was, that invitation was made by Jesus and by John the Baptist. Jesus came preaching a kingdom gospel. Now I'm going to teach you some things tonight. It's Sunday night. If you'll hang with me, you'll learn some things about your Bible tonight. We better be careful getting church doctrine out of the Gospels. Now, with these things in there for our learning, and I love the Gospels, don't get me wrong, but Christ came preaching a kingdom gospel. You know why? Because when he was born, the the door was open to the Jew. The invitation was given to the Jew. And so that's what's talking about there in verse 3 is that Jesus and John the Baptist opened the invitation to the Jew. Then look what else it says in verse 4. Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, 
and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. Now this is speaking of the early church. You know the Bible tells that tells us that they were to begin at Jerusalem uh, and that was where the gospel was to spread from. And so the early church, the message was preached in the early church to the Jew. Uh, but we know that by and large, uh, the Jew rejected the message. Uh, we see that right here in these verses. Look what it said. The Bible said there in verse number four, uh, it goes on down there to say again, or in verse five, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another his merchandise. So there were some Jews, they just didn't pay it no mind. They said, we're not interested in that. We don't want anything to do with that. But then there's others, look at verse six. There was others of the remnant that took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. So there were some Jews that had people killed over the gospel. They were very belligerent toward the gospel and God judged them for it. Look at verse number seven. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities. Now this is a, this is a direct prophecy of the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and the dispersion of the Jews by AD 135. There's no Jews left in Jerusalem. You know why? Because they rejected their Messiah and they rejected the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just to lay the groundwork, this is what we're talking about. Jesus said this king, he had a feast. He bid two different times for his people to come and enjoy it. They wouldn't enjoy it. Some of them just didn't care and went about their ways. Others of them slew the servants that came and told them about it. And so the king was wroth and destroyed their city. The temple is gone. The Jews are dispersed. But the king is not done inviting people (laughs) to the wedding feast. Now I want to preach on, (laughs) I'm glad he found me. I'm glad that he found me. Now watch this. There is the king's expanded invitation. Look what he said there in verse eight. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, (laughs) bid them to the marriage. Now look at the quest for wedding guests. The amount spent and the effort spent on bringing people into the wedding was directly proportional to the amount spent on the wedding. And so it was an expensive wedding and therefore there was a lot of effort made to bring people into it. I'm telling you, over the years, there have been faithful servants that have stood in pulpits and made grand efforts. The church has passed out gospel literature and had radio broadcasts and put forth gospel tracts and made an effort. You know why? Because we got in on a great event and we should want others to get in on a great event. 
and our effort in inviting others to the marriage feast ought to be proportionate to the expense that was uh, placed on the marriage feast itself. Wouldn't you say that Jesus paid a great price? Uh, wouldn't you say there's been a lot of lot put in to this marriage feast? Uh, then you and I ought to put in effort like never has been to invite others to come and be a part of the wedding feast. There's the quest for the wedding feast. Now, we've already seen the word found in verse 10. But I want you to notice some more words here. So those servants went out in the highways and gathered together all as many as they found. First, note that word all. Look at it in verse 10. Now this verse 10 is the opening of the church age to the Gentile. And the Lord said when that got opened up, they found them all. All. Look what he said now. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all. I'm glad for that word. I'm glad for that word. Because I'm going to tell you, if I'd have had to have been so good or done something right, I would have forever have died and went to hell. But I'm glad tonight that the gospel is for whosoever will. One of the greatest appeals of the gospel is that it's an appeal to red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, educated, unlearned, thank God, all, all. Then look what he said. He said, all they that were found, look at verse 10, all as many as they found both bad and good. Well, what an invitation of the gospel. I'm glad that God saves the gutter drunk. I'm glad God saves the drug addict. As a matter of fact, y'all need to listen to the podcast there's this week on the strength of things that remain. We interviewed two recovering addicts. They've been clean 12 years. They both got saved in the Yancey County Jail. <laughs> Hallelujah. And God changed their lives and turned their lives around. I'm glad God saves people like that what we'd call bad. But I'm also glad that God saves the church members. I'm glad God, the same God, comes to the heart of the little boy that has went to church his whole life. I'm glad that God speaks to those that never have been on drugs, never have been drunk, never have laid out all night but are just as lost and on their way to hell as the drug addict. I'm glad the invitation is for both what we would call good and bad. All. The king looked at the servant and he said all. Go get them all. Both good and bad. Why? So that the wedding would be furnished 
with guests. Aren't you glad some of y'all fit in to the bad category tonight? You've been drunks. You've been uh, womanizers, adulterous. You fit into what we'd call the bad category. Aren't you glad the Lord loves bad people? Some of you, you've never been drunk, never took no drugs, always been to church, but we're headed to the same hell as the other group. God found you too. I'm glad you don't have to be a drug drug addict to get saved. (laughs) Hey, I needed saving just like the drug addict needed saving. I'm glad he saves both kinds. Now, there's the quest for the wedding guest. But then, look with me, if you will, at the question of the wedding garment. Look at verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So there's this opening of the church age. This inviting of all, good and bad. And they come in and you see in Jewish weddings, when you got to a wedding, they had at the door these garments, wedding garments. The man putting on the wedding would provide it. Uh, It was called a kafton. And you'd put on this wedding garment, and then you'd go into the wedding feast. That wedding garment is a picture of the righteousness of Christ. (laughs) I'm glad when I got invited in, that I got given a wedding garment. I got clothed upon with the righteousness of Christ. But here in our story, there's a man that's at the wedding feast and he sticks out like a sore thumb because he didn't have on the wedding garment. That was free. All he had to do was take it. But for whatever reason, he was neglectful. It's a picture of a man that's in church but lost. He walks the walk, talks the talk, but he don't have the righteousness of Christ. He never has really been saved. Now, the king immediately picks up on the fact that this man does not have on the proper garment. We see that there's a neglectfulness of the man's sin. There's, look at the word not in verse 11. When the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not. That word not, there the Greek word means as a matter of fact. 
In other words, there was no denying this man did not have on the garment. He didn't have it all. He had on not. But then the Bible said, and when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? That word not there, the Greek, for that word means as a matter of thought. And so what is being said here is the king looked at that man and he said, it's a matter of fact, you don't have on the wedding garment. But that second statement indicated that that man purposely didn't put it on. Now my question is, why? Why wouldn't a man that had a free wedding garment that he could put on, why not just put it on? But for some reason, intentionally, this man refused the wedding garment. And the king immediately noticed. See, the Lord's telling the story of the church age here. The Jews rejected. The door was open to the Gentiles. They went out in the highways and hedges, compelled them to come in. They received the wedding garment. They came into the wedding celebration. Good and bad all came in, had on the righteousness of Christ. All of us that don't deserve it, we're here at the wedding together with the righteousness of Christ on. He found us, thank God. But there's some that to the king, they stick out like sore thumbs because they don't have on the garment. Why? Why did they choose not to put the garment on? Well, maybe it was that they felt like that they were good enough. Maybe they thought the garment they had on was good enough. In other words, maybe Brother Neil, they said, I don't need your garment. I don't want your garment. But for whatever the reason, when the king shows up, the man's speechless. Well, the Bible said, verse 12, saith unto him, friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he's speechless. Maybe it was. Now my mind's thinking. He walked into the wedding feast and somebody said, <clears throat> man at the door said, here's your wedding garment. I don't need that. I'm making it my own way. He walked into the wedding feast. Maybe occasionally somebody would say, where's your garment? I don't need that garment. What are you talking about? You kidding me? Oh, you're one of them old-fashioned garment wearers. I don't need that garment. I'll be all right. Somebody said, you know, really, before the king gets here, you probably ought to put on your garment. Get ready. You probably ought to be ready. And they said, <clears throat> that man said, I, who are you kidding? I don't need that garment. I'm proud of me who I am God loves me like I am. The king will love me like I am. He knows what's in my heart. I don't need your old garment. But see, when the king showed up, he didn't have nothing to say. He didn't have nothing to say. Now listen to me. Have nothing to say about it. Now, here's the thing. This man loved the feast. 
He loved the feast. He wanted to be a part of the feast. But in the end, he despised the conditions. He wanted to be a part of the, a part of the party, but didn't want to pay the price. Do you know there's some people that want to be involved in church like a social club, like a civic, like civic activity, but they don't ever want to put on the guard. Don't ever want, they don't ever want part of the conditions. They don't ever want to be a part of the. They don't want to do what God said to do. They don't want. They don't want to put. And so they stick out like a sore thumb when the king comes. I'm just. I, I've literally just preached right down through these verses. This is the story of the church age. The Lord said the Jews would reject two different times. The door would swing open to all good and bad. Folks would file in. I mean come into the marriage supper and receive that righteous gown, but there would be some that would not receive the gown. And they'd stick out like a sore thumb. Now I said all that to say this. Sunday night. Cream of the crops here, right? Sunday night, cream of the crop. But I will guarantee you there's people under the sound of my voice tonight that don't have on the garment. They've entered into the wedding. See, they like to be at the church. They like the feast, but they don't want the conditions. And so they never have come and accepted the righteousness of Christ, the garment. But the good news is, the king ain't come yet. And there's still time, see, to go and say, give me a garment. I want a garment. I want to be clothed upon with the righteousness of Christ. When the king comes, I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Look at his punishment. The Bible said, then said, verse 13, then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and national teeth. Everybody else went on with the wedding feast, except that fellow didn't have on the garment. The king bound him, cast him into outer darkness. It's a picture of hell. It's a picture of hell. It's all right there in them verses. All right there. You know what I'm convinced of? I'm convinced in 2021, our churches are full of people that don't have on the garment. Just don't have the garment on. And they may fool me and they may fool you and they may fool everybody. But there's one person they ain't going to fool and that's the king. The king's going to look and say, you ain't got the garment on. He ain't fooled. He ain't fooled. He's going to take them, cast them into outer darkness. Let's stand our feet tonight. Father, as much as I know how, just preach the word of God. Lord, try to be obedient. What you'd have for us to deal with tonight. Lord, on a Sunday night, would you convict hearts, save sinners? Lord, we'd love to see folks put the garment on tonight, the righteousness of Christ in their life, and be saved. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder tonight who it is that's here tonight 
that when I came to that point in the story, you thought, that's me. That's me. I'm, in the, I'm at the wedding feast, but I don't have on the garment. I don't have a relationship with Christ. I've never been clothed upon in His righteousness. I wonder if there'd be one tonight on a Sunday night, God just laid this on my heart. Slip out from where you're at and say, Preacher, I don't want to risk dying and going to hell. I want to make sure tonight that I've got on the garment. Will there be one? Preacher, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just going to be real honest with you and real honest with God. I'm not sure I've ever been saved. I want to come tonight Make sure that I've got the garment on. Why don't you just slip out of your pew right now. Start down this way. You'll stick out like a sore thumb to the king. Say, I've got it covered up. Not with God, you don't. Not with God. Not with God, you don't. Why don't you come tonight? Come on. Come on. Lord, I've delivered the message. You can do what I can't. You can go home with these folks. I pray, Lord, that those that needed the message tonight, you'd follow them home. I pray that you'd take up their sleep. They'd toss and turn, make their bed like a rock. I pray that you'd take their appetite. They couldn't stand it till they put on the wedding garment. But you saved them by your marvelous grace. Thank you, Lord, for finding me one day.